Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House. Quick note before we get into it. We recorded this episode about Claymation Christmas in July 2018, and then Will Vinton, the creator, died in October. He was 70 years old, so when we talked about him in this episode, he was still alive. But more importantly, thank you, Will Vinton, for sharing your imagination with the world during your short time on it. And now, dinosaurs talking about Christmas. back. Thanks again for dropping into the Advent Calendar House like a glob of clay for today's episode, for which we watched 1987's Claymation Christmas Celebration. I am a goose carrying a basket of Easter eggs on Christmas Eve for no reason, Mike Westfall. And joining me once again is gluttonous, nearsighted Styracosaurus, Joey O. Welcome back, Joey. That's me, I guess. (laughs) Uh, And very special guest is his much more cultured T-Rex counterpart, Aaron. Welcome, Aaron. Good day. (laughs) Hey, that was pretty good. And finally, a talking raisin who missed her bus, and when I said to call me a cab, told me, hey man, you're a cab. A longtime pal of mine, for anyone who still remembers Progressive Boink, it's Emily Rowley here. Hey, Emily. Hi. Good to have you all here. Um, I know all of you were very interested in talking about this one when I put out the call on Twitter. So let's talk about our own histories with watching this. Uh, Debuted December 21st, 1987, right after a Garfield Christmas special. Uh, Did anybody see this on day one when it aired? Yes. I think that I did, yeah. Okay. I may have. I definitely remember watching it. I definitely taped it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I just, um, I found a VHS tape that my aunt had that was labeled Christmas specials, 1987, full. Oh, wow. Oh, you found the mother load. Yes. I didn't even remember that these were back-to-back and that they aired them such for years afterward. uh, They were both CBS exclusives. Uh, But I didn't remember that before scheduling both of these back-to-back because I just recorded Garfield uh, right before this one. But I definitely watched both the night they premiered. Um, But let's start with you, Emily. What do you remember about watching this one when it was new? Well, I'm sure that the reason that I watched it was because they advertised the California Raisins. So, I mean, past that, I probably had no idea what I was getting into and no idea really what I was watching. Because watching it as an adult, there are so many cultural references that are completely lost on a five-year-old. I just... (laughs) <laughs> I just knew that I liked the fat walrus who ice skated. Yes! <laughs> that was my favorite part, too. We'll get into that later. But, yeah, the, the California Raisins are the real star here. And that's really how they advertise the special. And I think that's how uh, it appeared in the TV guide and everything. And my dad was really excited about seeing them for some reason. <laughs> my, dad, my dad and I bonded over some, some really weird TV. He was all in on Pee Wee's Playhouse. He was all in on the California Raisin, so it was a fun couple of Christmases uh, in those mid-80s years. Um, Aaron, you said you watched it day one. Uh, Was that also a deciding factor in your needing to see this? No, not at all, actually. Um, I keep forgetting that they were even in the special, (laughs) (laughs) which is is really strange. I realize now, but um, I think in retrospect, because um, I've always been, like, um, into visual art. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was that was the deciding factor for me. And my favorite part was We Three Kings. <laughs> oh, good. Which, 
I don't know why it's my favorite Christmas carol because of of Claymation Christmas special. Oh, that's a shame because they haven't really done a version quite like that one since. But no, I it's it, you know it's hard to hear a version at all, let alone one that has more than just the one verse. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it had you know three out of four full verses. Well, the other one, the one that they left out, is about Jesus's actual death, so it's kind of gloomy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for a Christmas special for children, well. but. Um, yeah, that that was that was my favorite part, but really the the visual art aspect of it. Okay. And Joey, did you watch this uh, growing up as a kid, or was this something you discovered later? No, I definitely remember watching as a kid. I just feel like all that stuck in my brain was the the wassailing running gag. Yes. And the raisins being there. All righty. So a little bit of background before we dive in. Uh, this special's official title is Will Vinton's Claymation Christmas Celebration. Will Vinton coined and trademark uh, capital C Claymation, which we've all kind of just retconned in calling all clay-based animation, including like Gumby and Davian Goliath by Art Clokey, and that all predated this by decades, but... Uh, if you look up Will Vinton on Wikipedia right now, at the time the show was released, he'll be 71 years old, and he looks like Mr. Monopoly. <laughs> oh, my gosh, he does. Oh, you know who else he looks like? Oh, who's that? Um, Leap Day William. Oh, that's <laughs> I knew it was someone else, but I couldn't quite place it. But you're absolutely right, <laughs> Leap Day William. <laughs> For those of you unaware, you need to watch the episode of 30 Rock entitled Leap Day. And as a matter of fact, we now need to do that episode in 2020. Yes! It counts as a holiday, all right? It's on the spreadsheet. Leap day. Uh, But uh, Will Vinton is most remembered for the California Raisins, who debuted a year earlier in 1986 in a commercial for Sunmade. That same year, he also created for Domino's Pizza, The Noid. The Noid hates hot quality pizza. He loves to make your hot pizza ice cold. <laughs> Call Domino's Pizza and avoid the noise. Oh, wow. Very similar animation style, even with clay. Uh, but I could kind of tell back then, oh, this is the same company as opposed to the Gumby people, which I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Rankin Bass people, because... Well, I didn't realize until much later, that's not clay, that's wood and other material. But, and before that, Will Vinton also, I just realized now in researching for this, he animated the gnomes in Return to Oz. I never saw Return to Oz. <laughs> oh. uh, it just never was on my radar really growing up. But now I know that it's supposed to be horrifying beyond belief. I, I I was not really a big fan of Wizard of Oz. It kind of scared me. Yeah, well, I mean, I, we all kind of go through that phase where the Wizard of Oz or Return to Oz kind of frightens us. Somehow my my daughter seemed to be okay with the, the original Wizard of Oz. I'm like, I can't believe you are glued to this TV set while these flying monkeys are happening. Yeah, the monkeys, the... Watching someone and watching her feet roll up, I think that was bothersome. Yeah, but I mean, she wasn't bothered by that at all. But we watch How to Train Your Dragon 2 and the father dies and she's bawling tears. So it's just a very strange spectrum that everybody's kind of how we all react to different things. But uh, here's one more thing I didn't know until now. Will Vinton would also later create the CGI animated M&M's. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, if, if you look at like their mouths, 
is sort of, yeah, I didn't realize that until, you know, we pulled up the, the wiki page, but their mouths sort of, you know, remind me of the bells mouths, the way that they sort of, you know, purse and move. Oh, wow. That's a good call. I'm going to have to put some kind of comparison in between the two, but you're on to something here. <laughs> I thought you were going to mention something else on his Wikipedia page that was more on brand for you. Oh. He worked on Captain EO. That's right. I completely missed that. Yeah, very on brand for me. That uh, was my favorite attraction at Epcot, but it is now closed. It lives forever in your heart. It does live forever in my heart and probably on YouTube. (laughs) Uh, So usually on this show... When we talk about animated holiday specials, I like to talk about the voice talent. Oh, boy. And what else we might know them from. But for the most part, the voices in this one don't have any other credits. Oh, I did some research right before we started this Skype call. Oh, did you? Yes. Go ahead, Joey. So uh, Rex is played by Johnny Counterfeit, who apparently is doing an impression of Thurston Howell III. <laughs> that's it. I couldn't like. I was thinking that's who he sounded like. Yes. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't put two and two together until Joey said something. But yeah, I was thinking C. Thomas Howell, but that's not right at all. <laughs> <laughs> you kept it in the family, though. So <laughs> no, I definitely picked up on the on the Thurston Howell impression. Well, uh, but. Johnny Counterfeit is just a hilarious name, but he's not credited in anything else. Oh, I searched his name. Also, it made me think of uh, Johnny Arcade, but he's no Johnny Arcade. He's not. Oh, Johnny Arcade. My show is kicking with maximum height. Say video power. Yeah, that's right. Johnny Counterfeit, if it's the same guy and it looks like he is, is a country impersonator. He does, uh, It look up johnnycounterfeit.com. And you'll find that he does a lot of like country singers. He prides himself on doing uh, topical, nostalgic, and clean, nonpartisan political comedy. Wow. Uh, voice impressions with traditional country and pop superstar singers. And I assume this is the same guy. Well, it's also not spelled counterfeit, like counterfeit money. It's spelled like counter, like a kitchen counter, and fit, like this is how this shirt fits me. <laughs> I so. didn't notice that. <laughs> and his his website is terribly laid out and, and a mess. But one thing that jumped out at me before we move on from him, uh, he wrote a book called JFK Averting the Assassination, where the author travels back in time to convince Kennedy not to ride the motorcade through Dallas. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you can buy it still. Of course you can. If you said 1995 postage paid. <laughs> He'll sign it for you. Oh, man. <laughs> We're learning so much about ourselves on this episode. It's a very, um, very crowded website. <laughs> okay. And the other guy, Tim Connor, who plays Herb, uh, it looks like almost all his credits are just working with Will Vinton. He probably is just like a friend or associate or something. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of these actors are just, well, here's a kid's choir that I happen to find or something like that. Uh, but Rex and Herb themselves uh, were previously seen in a 1980 short by Will Vinton called Dinosaur. Have any of you seen Dinosaur? Not to my knowledge. No. I don't think so. Well, Emily, I remember our pal John Boyce wrote something about uh, the Dinosaur special years and years ago because it was included in some direct-to-home video with... There were live-action bits with a very young Fred Savage... where he has to write a report for school about dinosaurs. Now, the claymation short is from 1980, but the Fred Savage part, I'm estimating, 
Well, this came out around 1987, so it had to have been right around The Princess Bride, but it feels like it's a little earlier than that because his acting chops quite aren't at Princess Bride levels yet. (laughs) Really? As good as he was in Princess Bride? Right. (laughs) Dinosaurs? What were dinosaurs? How did they get so big? Why? Why? So, like, somewhere between The Princess Bride and not quite as early as, say, The Boy Who Could Fly. Oh, God. But I did see that short before this one, so I remember little seven-year-old me marking out like, It's the dinosaurs! For that (laughs) 30-second bit from that other thing. Uh, Okay, so we have Rex, who we've discussed, has that more wrinkle, the Thurston Howell voice. And then we have Herb, who's listed as a Styracosaurus. I thought it was a Triceratops. I don't know enough dinosaurs. Well, the Triceratops means three horns. Right. Obviously. And and the Staraka, whatever, it means he has many. Okay. They just got tired of counting. I, I, I did like dinosaurs a lot when I was little. <laughs> Thank you for being better than me at dinosaurs. I really no. appreciate it. <laughs> My brother had dinosaur wallpaper. Nice. Uh, but Herb's sort of the jovial color commentator who's super excited about everything. Uh, and one of the other things that I recognized Tim Connor from. Has anyone seen Will Vinton's, and this is the first ever claymation feature film, The Adventures of Mark Twain? Mm-mm. Okay. No. It was a claymation film about Mark Twain? Not really about Mark Twain, but like... It, I thought it was about like his work. Yeah, and included in work, the main characters were Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, and Becky Thatcher, and they were kind of traveling through his work. Uh, we see bits about the Diary of Adam and Eve, and Tim Connor uh, was the voice of this three-headed alien in a segment based on Captain Stormfield's visit to heaven. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, well, of course he was. Yeah. I mean. Okay. Well, there's a man who arrives at heaven, and there's this three-headed alien in the Saint Peter role trying to look him up, and it turns out he's not at Christian heaven, but an alien disco club, also called heaven. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> it's cute. Go find this movie if you can. Uh, but they're here to introduce to section, the sections featuring popular Christmas carols. But during the whole special, they keep getting interrupted by traveling food vendors who keep messing up the words to one particular song. And the first group is a bunch of dogs in a food truck selling waffles and singing, Here we come a waffling along the lease so green. Here we come a waffling so fair to be seen. And Rex has to correct him saying, It should be, Here we come a wassling. <laughs> that was good. I had never heard of that word before this special. Has anyone else heard the word wassling before you heard it in this? Nope, that's that's what I remember from it most of all. This is the uh, the special that taught an entire generation what the word wassailing meant. <laughs> I yeah. like vocabulary, so that was helpful to me. Oh. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew this. I knew the song, and you guys probably did too. As here we come, a caroling, mm-hmm. which after some Wikipedia hopping, I've determined is a chiefly American version of the song. Whereas, okay, this special is set in London and Christmas Square. They're calling it. Okay, it makes sense to call to use wassling over there, but that's how they sing it, I I suppose. The song, like, the special also screwed me up on what wassail is, like, as an adult. Because from the <laughs> special, I assumed that it was, you know, a truck full of elves having a good time. And <laughs> I recently learned that it was, like, a drink that you drink at the holidays. Oh, well, that explained the drinks. Cereal cider? 
<laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, I thought that like wassling was going out and drinking. That's how they explain it. We're all right. Well, spoilers. We're skipping to the end. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's okay to jump around. But uh, at the end, they they someone explains to her. Wassling, why? Just going around the neighborhood singing Christmas carols, receiving treats, and Christmas cordials. Now that I like, let's watch. So it's adult elves making merry, I guess. Yes, they did look Irish, and I, they did speak with an Irish accent. So we'll go with it. But let's dive into our first segment, uh, We Three Kings, as performed by three wise men figures and their doo-wop singing camels. Star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright. Which in hindsight looked like boys to men, but they weren't a thing yet. <laughs> this segment was, like, trying to think back on it, it was that fun 30-something game of is this more racist than I remember it being? <laughs> Luckily, it's not really. They're just they're just camels who want to have a good time. Yeah, no, and well, that's a good game to play with the California raisins later. But agreed, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but honestly, the one thing that I remember from this segment—I mean, I remember the song and like the funky version of We Three Kings—but um, I remember the camels' kneecaps. <laughs> they are very pronounced. Yes. I googled camel knees earlier in anticipation of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the only other like pop culture camel I know, especially from that time, is the stuffed camel from Raggedy Ann and Andy. He doesn't have any knees, but he's also a stuffed camel. So, or Joe Camel. Joe Camel. Joe Camel. Yeah. Well, he's wearing pants. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Did he wear pants? He has. He has modesty. <laughs> that's a word for it. He's ashamed of his knobby knees. <laughs> there you go. I just really love this arrangement of like Erin was saying she it's you know her favorite Christmas carol, but I just love the the like doo wop arrangement of the song. I think it's really cool. I yeah. do too. I liked when we um when we actually went back and watched it, just um I looked at the three wise men and because they are of the Orient, I could tell like right away, like, oh that that little tubby one with the beard, he's gotta be Turkish and wow. the black guy is a Moor and then then there's Genghis Khan over there. Okay. So that was that was pretty cool to have that click. <laughs> uh, well, the, the, the Genghis Khan one is the frankincense king. He's shorter than paler than the others, and he's supposed to be East Asian. Uh, mm -hmm. But he's got a round red colored turban, a blue vest, and a black mustache. So seven-year-old me, being an idiot, thought it was Mario. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone who knows me, especially in 1987, knew I was all in on Mario. So... I thought that for years until I realized, oh, he's supposed to be Asian. Oh, is it like when um, like when a, a small child realizes what a dog is, and then they start calling everything that has four legs a dog? <laughs> Could be. It's the guy. It's the anime guy looking at the butterfly. Is it a dog? <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna fit that one in here, but here we are. Oh. I think this special was the first time I realized the actual content of the song. We mentioned earlier that Jesus' death was left out of the song, uh, yeah. this version of it anyway, but that's the Merverse. So this right. is the first time it clicked to me that, okay, this song is describing the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and how they all kind of represent 
three parts of Jesus' life. Okay, gold's for king, frankincense for God, and myrrh was apparently used um, at, at burials to anoint the dead. And that's what I liked about it. <laughs> <laughs> because it was, it was, you know, representing, like, those three stages, and then, you know, overall, he's the king. So that's sort of what they represent, which I might not have realized at the time, but growing up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really unique. They, they just tied it all very well together. Uh, in a very short time, and, and kept it peppy, <laughs> which is very hard to do. Yes, it's a doo-wop version of death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it helps to take out an entire verse. So, But let's move on to our next segment, the Carol of the Bells, performed at Notre Dame Cathedral by the Paris Bell Harmonic, which is just a bunch of anthropomorphic church bells who hit themselves on the head with mallets to make their notes. This was my favorite segment uh, as a kid. My brother and I always just would crack up at this part. And that's not including the joke that went completely over my head that the director was Maestro Quasimodo. (laughs) I was an uncultured swine as a kid. Now it's even more hilarious to me. Another observation that I just realized now after rewatching this, he looks like Gary Busey. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was thinking Tom Waits. Oh, wow. Tom Waits is better. I just like his face. Like, that's very the, the Will Vinton. Like, if you look in his eyes, that's very much like the Will Vinton artistic style. It really is. Uh, a lot of those exaggerations do pop up. In his other works, especially, uh, he also did a Halloween special, so so that kind of wrinkly style shows up there, too. Well, and the raisins are very wrinkled and just exaggerated. <laughs> but the real star of this segment is the tonic note, the low C bell, who's being a lovable goof. He's <laughs> got that single up, upper tooth and the okay George vibe about him. It's supposed to be Lenny from Of Mice and Men, but because I was born in 1980, my go-to character of that type is Lurky from Rainbow Bright. Lurky! Rainbow Bright has a new cereal with fruit flavor and bright colors! <laughs> <laughs> Just the bells are so, um, each one was, was very individual, like, like one of them, one of them in the center looked very much like Teddy Roosevelt, like he's just missing the glasses, <laughs> yeah. um, but... But as soon as it started, when we rewatched it, the the tonic note, the the low C, the goofy one. Yes. Um, I didn't realize what he was supposed to be, but looking at it now, he has a very like r- rubbery Rowan Atkinson face, like 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 exaggerated oh. pantomime. You know, like like doofus, like oh doof, what did I just do? Oh, oh well. wow, yeah, <laughs> the Mister Bean Bell. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he, he's mostly quiet. Except, except when he's like, I lost mine. Yes, that's But he doesn't say anything else. Obviously, yes. they're bells. They don't speak right. much. <laughs> no, the rest of them are all very stuffy looking. Yeah, one looks like Teddy Roosevelt. I think I spotted like a Martin Van Buren looking bell somewhere in the back. <laughs> but like, my question is like, what are the rules of the world that these people, like, that they live in? Because if you watch the segment, <laughs> it starts with a pan of regular bells, like non-anthropomorphic bells. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they exist in the world, but yet also we have the humanoid bells and actual people. So, like, is this like a Wonka situation where we have enslaved <laughs> them like, in the form for us? Oh, well, it could be. 
could be. Or do they live like do they live in peace with us? But the one guy, despite being at the concert, somehow doesn't know what his job is. <laughs> like I think once a bell becomes sentient, uh, it can opt to go to magical bell school to perform in the big choir. Right, because they don't seem to enjoy bonking themselves in the head, but they're doing it <laughs> just to make the music. It's levels of enlightenment. You're either a Pluto or you're a Goofy. <laughs> That is great. Well, maybe it's like um, maybe maybe they downsized and they ran out of actual musical pro- like actual musicians, so they had to do it themselves. I don't know. Oh, could they? <laughs> That's horrifying. Saves money. But the low C bell misses his cue, gets caught playing air guitar with his mallet, uh, then hits a fly on his nose, tosses the mallet away because it's now got dead fly guts on it, and so now he can't hit his note. Tries with his hand once. And the note is off, so finally his big finale comes up. He just kind of shrugs his shoulders right before being pelted with a rock and knocked back in a perfect ending. And we see the punchline as Maestro Quasimodo bows to the audience while hiding a slingshot behind his back. (laughs) Uh, And I just thought that ending was brilliant. That one's definitely my favorite as an adult. That's your favorite as an adult. Okay. Very good choice. So, and then we get into uh, this built-in commercial break. Uh, So back to Rex and Herb, who get interrupted this time by a gaggle of geese singing, Here We Come A-Waddling. And to confuse things even further, they're carrying baskets of eggs. Uh, Now, I remember them as Easter eggs, but here they're just plain old white eggs. Oh, but the wrong holiday special. Uh, but of course, Herb starts taking a look at the eggs. I'd like one of those purple ones. Leaving Rex to introduce the next segment by himself, uh, Oh Christmas Tree. And this, I think, might be the most underrated segment of this whole special. It's performed by a children's choir and you see various scenes taking place inside like infinite Christmas ornaments that kind of zoom in on each other. It's really pretty. It's, you know, it's kind of understated, which is probably, like you said, it's sort of under the radar and it's just a really lovely bit. You know, there's not much, you know, there's no comedy to it or anything wacky. It's just like, oh, that's really pretty. No, there's like one or two wacky moments here or there, but all the, it's just very much, I, I feel like it's a lot of showing off. Which is what earned this special. It won an Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. Uh, And I looked, I went down that rabbit hole. And before this, uh, the category was largely dominated by comic strip characters. You had Garfield, Charlie Brown, and even Kathy had a special the year before this that won. (laughs) And then starting in 1990, it was all The Simpsons almost. Uh, The first Simpsons episode to win... In this category, Life in the Fast Lane. That's the bowling one with Marge and Jock. It's not quite breakfast. It's not quite lunch. <laughs> you get a slice of cantaloupe at the end. <laughs> uh, but the most recent winner is a Valentine's Day episode of Bob's Burgers. Uh, which, uh, the title of which is actually a reference that ties back to Christmas. It's called Bob Actually. Oh. And we're back on track. <laughs> Mike, I will say in this segment, uh, in the first Christmas tree it goes into, the one that's got sort of the all the holiday treats and the gingerbread dancing around. Yes. There's uh, like a little petty four, like a little mustachioed petty four that also looks like Mario. 
I saw that. <laughs> there was that one. There was a cupcake with like Groucho Marx glasses, <laughs> a candy cane, and a green baseball hat, and a donut with arms and legs. That is the first ornament we zoom in. We start with uh, a boy and a girl putting Christmas ornaments on a tree, and they start with this gingerbread house, and we zoom in on the gingerbread house, and we see this scene. And then the gingerbread people dancing there have their own Christmas tree, and that has an ornament where we zoom in, and it's Santa's workshop full of elves, and they're all making toys, and we see a lot of motion here, and that, I think, is what impressed me a lot this uh, time watching it. Because you got conveyor belts, one elf is testing the jack-in-the-boxes, and then the defect, it's his head that springs up. <laughs> and then in their Christmas tree, we zoom in, it's a stained glass window ornament, which opens to reveal. It's just a cozy little room lit up by a fireplace, and Santa's fast asleep in his chair, snoring away in that exaggerated claymation snoring animation. And Mrs. Claus is next to him on her own rocking chair, knitting a scarf and looking on lovingly at her husband. And then finally we zoom in on Santa's Christmas tree, uh, particularly the star at the top this time, and we're back at our original scene with the two kids. This is the Dark Horse segment for me, and I didn't appreciate like it deserves to be appreciated until right now, so I'm glad it's in here. But then the next segment is my favorite, as we mentioned before. Uh, and it's clearly Herb's favorite, too, because he gets super excited about it. <laughs> while Rex is trying to look in the dictionary to prove wassail is a real word. But it's Angels We Have Heard on High. Performed as an interpretive ice ballet by a pair of walruses named De Margo Pontoon and Rudolph Nerves on Edge. <laughs> Aaron, let's start with you. Do you have anything? The penguins. They're my favorite part of this. <laughs> the penguins. The dismayed penguins are just... Right. Because the, the walruses are, are beautiful, and, and I love the texture of them. It looks like they look, they're kind of shaped like potatoes, but, it, but they have a texture <laughs> to, their, to their, their fur, I guess it's supposed to be. It's, it's sort of pockmarked, and it, it doesn't look like clay. It looks like... I don't know. No, it looks more natural. Thing. Um, but um, but the the penguins that they're horrifying by by almost killing. Um, they're my favorite part. <laughs> they're just adorable and they're funny. They're the comic relief. Well, I mean, it's all comedic, but but the penguins are really really cute. They and are. I pr- I appreciate that in several scenes in this one, um, they sort of cut away and you just have the reactions of the penguins, so you're left to wonder what's going on. <laughs> yes. That's my favorite part. Of this one, uh, Emily. Yeah, like just to piggyback on what Aaron was saying, I think also part of why I liked it so much as a kid was even though like the claymation is a lot more simplistic here than what you saw in like the the last segment. I love the way that the walruses looked. I thought they looked like icing on a cake, like they looked <laughs> like little pastries. And I love the like Dame Margot Pontoon. <laughs> <laughs> The fact that I haven't used that as a username on some <laughs> site up to now, like I didn't get the, again, the cultural reference of why they named her that, but that's just, I still love it so much. And I do love how proud the penguins are when they think that they've killed them at the end. <laughs> yes, they roll a snowball over uh, this hole in the ice that they've created because their walrus is skating on ice, so it's bound to happen. They also reminded me a little of uh, Flavio and Marita, the hip hippos. Wow, yeah, they do. 
Oh, and I mean, that's the whole joke of this thing. They're walruses. They're not known to be graceful animals associated with ballet. It's uh, It reminded me of the, uh, the, the Fantasia hippos and the elephants. Uh. Uh, but one thing I didn't notice until this time, just because this is so well animated that it makes me forget it, walruses aren't supposed to have legs. <laughs> They're in ice skates in this. But it doesn't look out of place. It's so just very well done character models. Yeah. That's a good point. And they're not supposed to have hands either. <laughs> they're not. I mean, they have their flippers and, I mean, yeah. again, they have like little Danny DeVito penguin hands. Oh, also, um, you were saying that Herb is a big fan of them and he especially likes uh, Margot Pontoon at the end. Uh, one might even say he's horny for her. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> Uh, well, that's Rex's cue to go, we'll be right back. Uh, <laughs> and they do come back, and Rex gets interrupted again, this time by a group of pigs on a tractor singing, Here We Come A-Wallowing. And every time they do this, it's more and more of a stretch, uh, but I love it. But here we have a tractor carrying a large load of fruit, being gorged on by a group of pigs, and Herb kind of sneaks off to the side as Rex is describing the next song. And we hear Herb squeal, Joy! And we get we begin probably the m- most visually stunning segment of the special. It's Joy to the World. The Lord has come. Uh, and it's a very soulful uh, gospel rendition of the song. Uh, but the animation is basically a stained glass window goes nuts. And the whole purpose of it is, and the whole theme of this one is, look what we can do with all this clay. I think that the arrangement of the song is really fascinating. The, the like African arrangement of it is totally different. But yeah, the art and the creation of Aaron, again, you were we were talking about it because you were fascinated by it. And then you did yeah. the, the deep dive research into how it was made. <laughs> I, I, I had... I had theories about how it was made when we were rewatching it. It's, it's what I've always thought, but I never thought to research it. Okay. Um, and and I'm and I'm mostly correct. It's um, it's it's under the direction of of Joan Gertz, I think is her name, um, who was an artist who won an Oscar for for a short work, um, done in the same style. That that's like her her mark. Oh wow. Um, it's um. It's basically thin, warm clay okay. that she paints in sort of real time. You know how um, how animation is twenty four frames per second. Yes. Um, well, she would make you know like she would she would paint it on on a surface, take a picture, and then rework that paint and take another picture. Wow. So twenty four paintings per second, basically. So it's just thin, warm clay that she continually molds. Oh my goodness. That just impressed me more than the thing itself, now that I know the history of it. Well, as, as an adult, that's the one that I'm the most intrigued by, because I, I've taken, I, I had to take an animation class in college for okay. my, my major. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we did sort of the same thing, but obviously not in clay, which, you know, just makes me, like, not faint, but so, you know, <laughs> so, so like, overcome with, like, wow, that's so creative. Um, I'll admit I was not the most cultured child, and this was definitely the bathroom segment for me. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I was just like, I just want to see the raisin. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty 
people watching it now, like I agree, like it it does look like a moving watercolor. So it is it is pretty fascinating to hear how they did it. Uh, but they sing "Joy to the World" and the clay and the colors form a globe. And they sing "Let Earth Receive Her King" and it morphs into uh, this image of Mary holding the baby Jesus. And this goes on and on with every piece of the song. And I don't think I have anything additional to add now that Aaron kind of gave us all the background, which is wonderful. Thank you. Oh, no problem. I I was really curious because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I, I thought I had figured it out, but not entirely. And just, um, just again, visual art, that's, that's what I'm into. Um, so as an adult, that's the most impressive one to me. Absolutely. Uh, same here. Well, back in London, as the square gets more crowded with Rex pleading to what's now a large crowd of confused vendors that wassailing is a real word, he finally introduces the main event. It's the California Raisins singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But it's actually specifically a cover of the Temptations version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which is, but, uh, well, Emily, let's hear from you first, because I know you and I have bonded on this in the past. Yeah, like, it was the, the great, the white whale of my life was trying to find a copy of this specific version of Rudolph, because there is the Temptations version, but it's not quite the same. It's not this version. Um, and finally, I don't know if you remember, it was last Christmas, I think, I managed to find um, an album version of it with the raisins on the cover on eBay, which I have no meat, like I don't have a record player that works so I can't play it, but I do I do finally have possession of this specific version of Rudolph in my hand. I do remember you getting that and I do remember you being just so happy at finally finding it, but then not having the means to listen to it. Correct, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still I still haven't found it like this. And no one has ripped it in any shape or form unless you like grab this YouTube it, you grab it off of YouTube and kind of convert it, which is what I've done. Yeah, like if I had the ability to time travel, I would go back to like the Halcyon days of Napster and look for it there because <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it probably would have been there. I'm sure it existed at that point. That's not what Johnny Counterfeit would do. Uh, well Rudolph was my favorite Christmas special growing up to the point where I had this reindeer shaped Christmas stocking from Burger King and I covered up its black nose with a piece of paper I cut in the shape of a reindeer nose and tried to color it red in an almost dried out Crayola marker and taped it on there so this was a big deal for me that the raisins were doing this particular song Emily, it does look like they released a soundtrack, like the full soundtrack, according to, according to Wikipedia, which is what we say constantly on this podcast, originally available on LP cassette and compact disc in 1988 by Atlantic Records, but I'm sure it's super out of print. I'm sure it is, too. Well, Emily found the last one. It was the last bus. <laughs> if I find that tape, man, my life is complete. Boom. Uh, and a Fun fact, according to all music, there are over 2,000 recordings of the song Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's as many versions of the song as there have been years since the first Christmas. 
<laughs> but this specific cover by the California Raisins is my favorite in a walk. Uh, and and as Emily mentioned before, it's clearly the Temptations version, but it's a bit more fine tuned. It's like it's two decades later, so it's better produced. But there are just minor details like uh, the Santa line and the high pitched voice building out. That I'm going to actually cut in here because my version was terrible. <laughs> that just sounds better coming from a bunch of clay raisins. But I've said this before and I'll say it again. My Christmas doesn't get to be over until the California Raisins miss their bus, make a sleigh out of a garbage disposal, and fly it into space. Because that is what happens. <laughs> As the story goes, yes. <laughs> we alluded to it earlier, but can we talk a little more about what an insane phenomenon the California Raisins were? Yes. Like, it was just a commercial, and it was such a hit. And they had, like, I was rereading uh, about them too. They had a, a cartoon, which I remember. They had other, they had they had so much merchandise. They had toys. They had, I had this weird like foam puppet California raisin where you like put your fingers in the back of it. Oh, you did? And, like make his mouth squish. Oh wow! I remember the little rubber figurines that. Uh, yeah, those were huge too. Uh huh. Uh, and then they had another TV special, but that was after this one. This was actually their first appearance in a special, in a TV special that wasn't just a commercial. They had an NES game at one point, apparently. It never came out, actually. Oh. It was completely produced. Oh, yeah, right. it says that here. I think it was Capcom, actually. I think it was a Capcom game. Um, now, there are copies floating around now on the internet, cause I, so I have played it and completed it. Uh, but there was never a an officially produced California Racing's cartridge. It was called the Grape Escape. Oh. Yep. But uh, I have no memory of the California Racing's cartoon, except I can remember watching it and being upset because the voice actors did not sound the same as they did in the Claymation Christmas Celebration. Oh, really? I didn't. I don't remember watching it either. I think. I saw that it was just traditionally hand-drawn animated and was like, nope, not the same. Oh, but, oh, let's look at the voice actors, because that's what we do. Oh, please do. Uh, Well, no, I mean, uh, Cam Clark. (laughs) Really? From from, uh, Ninja Turtles, who played a character named Bebop. (laughs) Uh, Jim Cummings was in it, Dorian Harewood, Cree Summer, a bunch of other folks. Wait, Cam Cam Clark's character of Bebop was in the California Raisins? Yes. That's funny. I know Barry Gordon was the voice of Bebop and Ninja Turtles. Yes. Uh, Cam Clark was the voice of Leonardo for those playing along at home. But, wow. I never n- noticed. I Again, I didn't bother to look that up because, again, I wrote it off when I found out it was traditionally animated. I didn't realize Cree Summer was doing voice work that early. Yeah. Because I just must... think of her as the girl from a different world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Elmira... Oh, that's true. That's right after this, I guess. Because I think the California Raisins was 89, was it? Per Wikipedia, yes. Okay. <laughs> and then Tiny Toon Adventure started in 90. So that adds up. Well, speaking of traditional animation, Joey, you mentioned before the show uh, a parody of this special in The Simpsons. Yes, because everything is in The Simpsons. So yeah, they do a parody of, you know... The raisin on either the California prunes. Oh, prune in my 
the stars are sweetly wrinkled. We are the fruit that your grandmother loves. And the joke at the end of it, Lisa says the song is offensive to Christians and Christians. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get out of this headlining segment and we cut back to a now dejected Rex who's lost all confidence in himself until finally, finally he hears someone sing it right. It's wassailing. I know it's wassailing. That's it. Somebody's got it right. And we come to our truckload of little Irish-looking folk dressed as elves, uh, wassailing while they're wassailing, apparently, we've discovered. And Herb is all in for treats and Christmas cordials, I assume. Now you have everyone singing the right words, including the wise men, the camels, the kids from the Christmas tree, the walruses with legs, and the raisins, and a happy, validated Rex who suddenly realize, uh-oh, Herb's missing somewhere in the crowd, so we can't close the special. Until finally we see the age-old punchline of her making himself so full from eating, he's now a gigantic round ball. <laughs> but satisfied. He's hedonism bot. <laughs> he is holding the grapes. <laughs> Maybe that's why I wrote that. It was subconscious. Well, and bringing it back to the Simpsons again there. Because that's Futurama, but it's Dan Castellaneta doing the voice. Okay. Well, I think we've hit everything. Anyone else have anything to add about this? Just just one thing. When we did rewatch it this last time, I heard at the very end, you know, when, when, when Herbs has so much to eat that he can't fit anymore, he asked for a thin wafer. Mint. Whoa, no, does he really? Just like in the meaning of life. Oh, come on, Rex. Just one thin dinner mint. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's definitely from the meaning of life. Uh, that's one you don't forget after you've seen it because it's super gross. That's one you don't even know what to reference when you're watching it for the first time in your seven. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't. Okay. My The copy I watched must have cut that part out because it just, it's a hard cut during We Wish You a Merry Christmas, so that makes sense. Oh, man. Yeah, we have like a triple DVD of it that has all three of the holiday specials on it. So. Nice. Does anyone do animation like that, like claymation with a capital C trademark, but anything like this anymore? Like the the Wallace and Gromit guys, maybe? Yeah, I think the most recent thing. The closest, yeah. Yeah, it's those guys. I, I mean, they're still making movies. There was just a Shaun the Sheep movie a few years ago, if not last year. There, there was Early Man. That was it. Oh, Early Man, yeah. Which apparently, I didn't know until Joey found out later, is actually about soccer with cavemen and and man stands for manchester united oh isn't that bad (laughs) it's very british i mean it's funny now that i get it but no but on that topic um this was uh produced by what at the time was will vinton studios which he sold in 2004 and that original company became what is now leica the studio behind movies like Coraline, paranorman uh, the Box Trolls, and Kubo and the Two Strings. But they're all stop motion. None of them have any clay in it that's as prominent as what we've seen in the past. Maybe, that, I mean, that's sort of like built the foundation, like artistically and, techni- and you know, the technical ability to do these things. Could be. Yeah, I mean, 
they've certainly learned and have. We're in CGI now. Everything's done by computers now, but even the stop motion stuff. Well, I I know that that the movies that you just referenced, like especially Kubo and the Two Strings, that's those are actual models, and um, which which I appreciate. I, yeah. it, it always looks better. It always looks better. It really does, and it just everything pops when you mm-hmm. do it like that. Uh, and we learned that from way back when Rankin Bass was doing Rudolph. So yeah. I'm glad that's still a thing and that it's still successful. Mm-hmm. But. Will Vinton still has another company that he started called Vinton Entertainment, uh, and this special is still available from Vinton Entertainment on DVD. It comes with uh, the Claymation Halloween and Easter specials. That's probably the one you have. Uh, but for those of you who want to seek this out, if you go to VintonEntertainment.com slash Christmas for 29 American dollars, you can get an autographed DVD Ooh. featuring those three. Well, thanks to all of you for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So if people listening want to take you on a ride over the moon in the dumpster, where can they find you on the internet, social media, or otherwise? Emily. Um, Well, I don't do much of anything, but I am on the Twitter and the Instagram at MLE Rally, where I am occasionally funny. (laughs) It's true. Uh, Joey, you can uh, follow me on the tweets at I'm going to DJ 24 and hear me on the Internet radio at why not And Aaron, I'm, I'm mostly just along for the ride, but this is a beautiful special and one of my favorites. Um, I don't do much, but I am on Twitter at, at Ms. Aaron M. Evans. And you can follow this show on Twitter as well at Advent Cal House. And subscribe at adventcalendar.house or whatever podcast machine you use. Uh, And if you do that, here's what I'm talking about on the next episode. Share the warmth and happiness with John Denver and the wonderful Muppets. There's joy and magic when they spend Christmas together. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network. To find more shows like this one, visit christmaspodcastnetwork.com. We're the elves from Tis the Podcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And Tis the Podcast is a proud member of the Christmas Podcast Network. Join us each week as we rank, review, and discuss all your favorite Christmas movies and television shows. Sometimes we agree, sometimes it's a verbal brawl, but each and every week is guaranteed to be fun. Come join us. Jordan, how do you read the game? This is offensive to Christians and prunes.